This is Wednesday Night Bible Study with our Seed Director, Reverend Mac Perry. Today's message is Signed of Wind and Fire. Here's Brother Mac. Good evening. Welcome. We're so glad you're here tonight for our Bible study. We'll continue in Acts. Uh, we'll be uh, reading second chapter tonight, starting the ver- uh, very first verse. And I've named uh, or titled tonight's lesson, uh, Signs of Wind and Fire. As you know, the first two or three verses start talking about uh, wind and fire. And then uh, I, I, before I read that, I, I want to uh, um, review a little bit where we're at uh, and where the disciples and the 120 and, and give you a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, background of where we're at. Uh, but first, before we do, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Um, special request. Let's continue to remember Sister Mary McDaniels. Uh, let's continue to remember Sister Josephine Braswell. And uh, also Pam Tyndall told us that her mother was in the hospital this week. Ann Giddens, I think is her name. That's uh, Pam's mother. And uh, also I found out Danny Pittman, uh, he's not even going to be able to go on a trip tomorrow with us. He's uh, uh, like uh, I think it's a flu is what I'm understanding. Uh, very sick with the flu, and uh, Donna's from a contagious standpoint. I guess she's not going. She's going to be with him. Uh, so uh, those, let's continue to remember those. And Josephine Braswell also. Uh, um, let's remember her and her hip and leg and all that. And uh, um, some special requests that I tell you, if you really look at the news and pay attention to what's happening over in the Middle East and in China and and Russia and everywhere. Um, And here in the U.S., we got a lot to pray about. We do. We we need to sincerely be praying for Israel. We need to be sincerely praying for for the U.S. And um, uh, um, only God knows what's going to happen now, and he's in control, and that's where we have to give it. But also, let's continue to pray for our youth and our youth leadership. Would you stand with me as we open up in prayer tonight with our Bible study? Uh, and pray for me. Uh, I have really, I, I'm actually somewhat excited in my studies because I'm learning some things that I really just never thought about before, and I'm going to share it with you. Uh, one of the unique things is about the wind and fire. We kind of overlook that and go right into most of us, Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, being filled with the bab, you know, being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. We never thought about, I haven't in the past, about what really the fire, and, and, and it was very, uh, and, and that uh, was like a, a, a tongue flame and also the wind that roared. It was so loud. It was almost like, a, in some people's minds, it was a tornado sound. But it was the sound. So we're going to talk about those things tonight. But first, let's ask God to uh, bless these people and to bless all the things that's on our heart. Yes, Margaret. Let's remember Casey. She's homesick tonight, okay? Is there others? A neighbor that has cancer, colon cancer, and his name is Bill, okay? Let's remember him. Yeah. Well, thank you for reminding me that. I was going to, on the way here, I was thinking about, 
Chris Rooks. Uh, it was, uh, Laurie and I kind of, the family called and wanted to know roughly they're putting together the funeral service. And it was roughly 83 to 85, 86. Does that sound about right? 90, I'm sorry, 93. <laughs> you know, I blew it. But I went and looked at the chart and then I got to thinking about I know Charles Heath was here about three and a half and I know Danny Frawler was here about a half a year and then I, I added it and, and sent it. And I know Chris was only here maybe a year, year and a half, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But let's remember the family. Uh, Chris was a pastor here. In fact, he was our first Pentecostal holiness preacher when we moved from the Pentecostal Free Baptist denomination to the Pentecostal uh, denomination. So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your many, many blessings, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, dear Father. Lord, be with us tonight, Lord, as we teach your Word and, and understand your Word, Lord, and learn and get blessed from your Word, dear Father. Be with our youth tonight, Lord. Touch them, bless them in all the different ministries, dear Father. Touch all the ministries of the church, dear Father, these special requests that we're giving in, dear Father. Lord, continue to touch Sister Mary. Be with her, Lord. Touch Josephine's uh, hip, dear Father, and leg. Be with her, Lord. And Lord, this Sister Ann Gibbons, Lord, be with her and touch her. And touch Pam, dear Father, as she supports her, dear Father, and, and with her. And Lord, touch our pastor tonight. Be with him, dear Father. In thy holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Pastor, you may be seated. The pastor's okay. He had some business in Eden that he needed to take care of, and he'll be uh, here soon. All right, I'll be back in the area soon. All right, let's uh, review first, and then I'll read the scriptures. Uh, Let's look, uh, we, we finished up chapter 1 last uh, week, and Luke is telling us there's 120 men and women in the upper room, united together and praising the Lord and in prayer and waiting for the Holy Spirit to be poured out. Uh, and in, that, uh, in our lesson last week, we find out that Luke tells us in his writings of Acts that uh, Peter stood up and took the initiative to close out on some business. And that business ended up being, uh, you know, from the uh, Old Testament prophecy by uh, David that uh, uh, back in Psalms that God showed Peter these scriptures and he put it on his heart in prayer, I believe, to draw his attention to maybe uh, replacing Judas, what the scripture was telling, that no, no, no words they had the 12 because all 12, Peter wanted to make sure they had all 12, uh, as we talked about, because the 12th disciple was a part of the plan. And especially uh, when Jesus promised them all that they would be disciples and sit on the thrones and judging and, and ruling in the millennium. So the 12 tribes of Israel, I believe it was. So uh, uh, Also, we studied last week that... Uh, there was a field mentioned about purchasing a field. I want to make sure it was really clear that uh, Judas himself threw the, uh, as Matthew tells us, threw the coins down, the 30 pieces of silver in, uh, into the temple, and they, could, they didn't want it, the priests didn't want to use the temple, the money to do anything with the temple, so they bought this piece of land where they buried uh, people that uh, uh, was without family, you know, so, uh, like uh, people that nobody knew and things like that. And it's also believed to be the place that Judas committed suicide and killed himself. And also because of the uh, uh, 30 pieces of silver uh, 
purchasing the blood of Jesus, or, you know, he didn't really purchase anything, but that's what he got for it. Uh, it was all so bloody uh, that they ended up calling that field a field of blood, the Jewish people did, and it ended up being nothing ever done with that field as far as being able to use it. So uh, we, we uh, uh, Peter, it was on his heart to replace Jesus, so, you know, he made it a known that... Uh, that we had to go through a process, uh, election process, and uh, Judas, I mean, uh, uh, Peter kind of established uh, some credentials for, the, for these candidates that uh, had to be someone that had been with Jesus all along, and it had to be someone from, from his baptism right on through his uh, crucifixion, and it was someone who uh, was a witness to everything and learned from him and experienced everything. So, so he, uh, Peter laid down the conditions, and the people, the 120 people, uh, um, actually uh, nominated or uh, put in, uh, recommended two people, as we talked about. One was called Joseph, also Barsabbas, and uh, Matthias, Matthias. And Matthias ended up winning uh, and was... Um, chosen by lots. So some modern writers, as I told you last week, we ended up, I concluded with some modern writers said that um, Peter and the upper room people did not, those all up there did not have um, uh, the right to go choose the 12th disciple, that many say that it should have been Paul. But as I ended, I also let you know that uh, I was, I'm absolutely, and I think many, many other people believe that Paul uh, was chosen by God to be the Gentile uh, pro- prophet, and he was. And there was several other scriptures and other reasons why it was all a part of what God wanted. So uh, uh, the, I ended with saying that, you know, the way Peter held, held the election process and chose it, I just felt like with them all praying in one accord that the Holy Spirit was guiding them. I just felt like that he was doing the right thing. And, you know, I think about... And, and, and that's what we should be doing, how Peter recognized the scriptures, the word of God is what should be leading them. And, and, and uh, I talked about how the scriptures should be leading us also. And he, he recognized that the Holy Spirit actually wrote the, the, uh, 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 the words of the Bible. So he, he just felt like that was the way to go. And he did. And he, I believe he did right. So, and I, I ended with one other thing that... Um, he recognized, uh, Peter recognizes that uh, all Christians must recognize that we are not the enemy. People are not the enemy. The enemy is Satan. Satan is the enemy that was against David, and he's also the same enemy that uh, is against us today. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy, as we so often hear, and uh, really need to understand when we get upset about things. That is the Satan. And uh, I still think about Robert Ullman and that song many times, even when I'm studying about Satan, get under my feet. Y'all remember that? Some of you that were here during that time, he'd, he'd put that old foot down, he'd be playing the piano and singing and getting up and putting, uh, put you, putting Satan under his feet. I just, I think about that. When I get upset, I'll think about that many times. What a wonderful thing to think about. So let's look at Acts, and uh, starting in chapter 2. Uh, Verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. Notice something now. Back in uh, chapter 1, verse 13, um, Luke tells us 
that they assembled in the upper room. But here it, it says they were assembled in one place. And that's significant, the wording there. And I'll talk to you about that. And then sudden, and, and then looking at verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound, and remember that, a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were uh, all sitting. And then verse 3. And there appeared an, upon, unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Honestly, all my life, four uh, and forward have been pretty clear to me. But verse first through three, I want to share some things that I really have learned that I've, I've really been blessed with in the last uh, week on, uh, in verses one through three that uh, I, I just um, find that God is just teaching me some things, and I want to share it with you. Uh, so let's start with verse 1. First of all, the 120 were continuing in prayer and in praising and, and, and having peace and joy and uh, together, united together. And uh, best that I can understand from everything that I've read and studied, the, the day that we're talking about now is 10 days, approximately 10 days time-wise after Jesus' ascension. And um, they're still all together, and I, th- I, I, I don't know why I even say this, but not one was missing. Yes, I know why I say it. They were all united together, all committed to do what God asked them to do, what Jesus had told them to do. They, uh, wait, they were waiting for the Holy Spirit, what Jesus told them, and also what the Old Testament prophecies had told them, the promise of God, the Holy Spirit. We're told that the place... Uh, was, and many people believe that it may have been uh, in the upper room when they say in one place. Um, and it meant the upper room. When you automatically read that without studying and, and, and putting some other scriptures with it. Um, but others, and I, I agree with this, due to Peter's statement that it was, and we're going to read this in, when we get to some more verses, but uh, you read that Peter's statement that it was the third hour of the day, which was at 9 o'clock in the morning. A um, little bit of background. What was going on during that time was a harvest festival, Feast of Weeks. It was a Jewish uh, celebration going on that time. It had been going on for seven weeks, and I think we were ending... Uh, Somewhere near, and I think it was the 50th day when the, when, the, uh, when, the, uh, when the Holy Spirit was sent down. But they were not only uh, what, and I'll, I'll give you some more information. I believe they were in the temple, gathered, praying, because that was normal at 9 o'clock in the morning. And it, it was during a, heart, a, a Jewish feast. So they were all uh, together under maybe a column or a row of columns in the, in the courtyard. And this would have also provided a good place for them to gather and join the worship. But it would also help explain, when we get down to verse 6, it says a a crowd gathered after the Holy Spirit was poured out. And and we'll read about it later. So it begins to make sense that they were really in the temple at the time. Um, 
that they were praying together. This time because there was a harvest going on. This would explain the crowd. And suddenly, what happens, uh, and surprisingly, and a loud sound came from heaven that filled the whole temple or the whole house, as the wording says. The sound blowing um, of a mighty, loud, even violent wind, and, and even some of the uh, uh, books that I read, it, talked, it said it, it was probably loud, loud like a roaring tornado. I don't know if all of you have heard it, but I actually heard a tornado come over and around our house, and it was like a train. It's, it was roaring. So I, I'm think, uh, that's what in my heart I'm thinking. But what's so unique, people weren't blowing away, things weren't blowing away. It was actually a sound that the Bible tells us that filled the house, a sound of a wind. And it came suddenly from heaven, which tells me that it, it is some kind of divine or spiritual, So which uh, is, is helped me understand based on the old prophecies of that Old Testament, this is God. Because the holy wind that would, would reminds me of the powerful powerfulness in the Old Testament when God spoke to Job, for example. When he spoke to Job, and there was a windstorm in Job 38.1. There was a powerful windstorm that night. Or that at that time. So it, and also when I think about in Exodus twenty, I mean, I'm oh, sorry, Exodus fourteen and twenty one, a mighty wind parted the waters, dried up the path from the Red Sea, enabling the Israelites. So it was God. God was with them. So I'm thinking in my heart the same thing here. That this loudness, and I now, and and, and I'm gonna tell you the, the something that I learned that I never thought about while I'm, about, I'm saying all this, is this wind of sound these w- was enough to attract a lot of attention. And the crowds filled, that was in Jerusalem uh, at the festival were all listening to this. And the wind, the wind indicated to everyone present that there was something unusual, something good going on, that it, it, it was manifested, uh, um, which manifested the Holy Spirit at that time in a special way. So the wind was definitely carrying the power, the power that Jesus had promised, uh, missed several times, but also back in just 1 and 8 when he said, you shall receive the power. So when I think about this roaring wind, I think about power uh, when the Holy Ghost comes. And then something that looked like a ball of flames appeared over the whole group also. I want to mention that. It looked like flames of fire that settled actually on each one of them's head when you really uh, interpret what's going on there. Um, and this fire was something that obviously wasn't burning their heads. Like we, when we think of a fire, uh, it was not, not burning. But, you know, I think about the fire is commonly used when the divine presence of God was uh, in the Old Testament, especially with Moses in the burning bush. In Exodus. So I'm thinking about that kind of fire where God is present again. So when I look at verse 2, tongues of fire, some people think that these tongues of fire was meaning what John the Baptist prophesied about the baptism of fire being cleansing and fulfilling. Now, what John was talking about being cleansed and being spilled was the Holy Spirit, but it's not exactly what we're talking about here. Let's... um, let, let's, let's continue. So there's other... Now, that's what some people believe, that the, the fire was the, uh, what, what John the Baptist prophesies about the baptism of fire, which is cleansing and fulfilling the Holy Spirit. 
But listen to this. But others believe that the 120, and, and see if this makes sense to you. It makes a lot of sense to me. Were already, uh, had already accepted and believed in Jesus. So in my words, in our words, they were already saved. If you think about it, their hearts had already been cleansed. They had been forgiven. They had watched, they believed in the resurrection. They believed in Jesus Christ being the Son of God. They had been filled with praise and joy already in one accord. So I believe that the Holy Spirit was already, had saved them. They, they already had it in their heart. And, uh, and uh, according, uh, and they were in one accord waiting on the Holy Spirit. So rather than this fire and wind, being a cleansing or a judgment, here I think is signifying in my heart and, and for many others that God's acceptance of His new church body. Now think about that. Here I believe when that fire touched each one, is God is now with wind and fire accepting each one of those as His new temple, His new place where the Holy Spirit it is going to dwell. So, and you can read this in, uh, in fact, I want to read 1 Corinthians 3 and 16. Listen to what it says there. Know ye not that ye are a temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So I think that what, I believe what was going on there that this fire went, was God's approval of each one of the temples that was there. He's now saying, this is going to be my church. The people is going to be my church. And then when the sing, single fires rested on each head, it, it signified accepting them as being temples, each one of them, of God. Am I making sense? Let's, let's look and read now uh, 1 Corinthians 6 and 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. So we now are, I believe that in that place where they were all gathered, the fire and wind was signifying God is approving and accepting His people as temples of His because they believed in Jesus Christ. They had accepted His Son. So this makes it clear that the church was already existing before Pentecostal baptism, which we're going to get in just a few minutes, because in Hebrews 9, 15 and others, that it was the death of Christ that put in the new covenant. So as soon as Jesus died, the new covenant became in effect. From the resurrection day, remember when Jesus resurrected, I remember telling you in John how Jesus breathed on His disciples and the church then had the new covenant of the Holy Spirit, which, you know, each one of them had, what breathed, He breathed on them and gave them the Holy Spirit, which uh, approved them being His disciples. It was important to notice that the signs and wind um, uh, and fire proceeded, yeah, that's the word, I was trying to remember the word, proceeded Pentecostal baptism because they were already, God had already sent it down. I'll, I'll try to clear this up in just a minute. Hang with me. The wind and fire, now think about the wind and fire. It was not a part 
and has not been since that day a part of being filled with the Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. It's not a sign or a gift that has ever been since that time. Nowhere else in the Bible. Um, and we're going to get to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Just a minute. I, in other words, I'm trying to separate it. The first verse, uh, two verses is telling us that God approved those 120 as His temple, as the place that He is now going to let His Holy Ghost reside, and as long as they accept Jesus Christ. So uh, I believe that the, the, the wind... Uh, let's see. So uh, here's a good example. Peter, for example, Acts 11 and 17, identified the feeling of the Gentile believers at the house of Cornelius when Jesus promised that they would all be baptized in the Spirit. That is the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were baptized in the gift also. And that's, that is what we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, just a little separate. So the wind and fire were not present at the house of Cornelius. So the wind and fire were signs and gifts that were only needed for part of establishing and God establishing and accepting His temple, His people, His body of Christ. Am I making sense? I hope so. <laughs> I'm going to try to clear it up even further here. i got some more. But in looking at verse 4, when I look at verse 4, I, now that God has acknowledged His church has acknowledged His temple, meaning that uh, the people are His new temple. The next thing was for Him to pour out His Holy Spirit into the member's body. In other words, as we, we've learned the feeling of the Spirit, the feeling of the baptism. And by the way, I've learned there's a lot of terms and a lot of ways of that, that was being said. So, so what Jesus promised as the baptism of the Holy Spirit is pictured in what we're about to read in verse 4, here in verse 4, as the full satisfying experience, the power that we need, uh, the Holy Ghost fire that we need in our temple to guide and lead us. What, Jim, uh, what <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. Some try to make a distinction between this. Let me say it this. Calm down, man. Oh. Some try to make a distinction between or a difference between being baptized with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's some people that try to say there's a difference. There is no difference. Let me help clarify. The Bible uses um, a variety of terms and wording when it's talking about the pouring out or the filling of the Holy Spirit. So look when you look at uh, Acts 2 and 17, we'll be there shortly, it was called a pouring out of the Spirit by Joel, the, the, the prophecy Joel, J-O-E-L. And then in uh, Acts 2 and 38, as a gift, the receiving of the Holy Spirit or the active taking, uh, receiving of the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 8 and 16, 10 and 44, and 11 and 15, a falling upon. The scriptures, what I'm trying to say is the Scripture uses the term uh, many different terms. A pouring out of the gift in Acts. And a coming upon is uh, later on in Acts. So with this variety, this many words of saying, it is impossible for us to think or suppose or assume that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is any different than the filling of the Holy Spirit. It means the same thing. It means if 
you did think different. Now, in my mind, in the past, when I did hear the words being filled with, uh, being baptized with the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, I, as a Pentecostal, have always thought they were the same. I always thought they were the same. But what I've read is there is people out there that believe that they're two different things. They are not. I wanted to make sure that was clear. Rob, but here's the most important part to remember as I... Uh, starting to move uh, a little bit into the ending of it. But the Holy Spirit is a person. You know, I've, I've heard people call, use different terms for the Holy Spirit, but uh, it is a, it's not an it, it is a he. It is the third of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a person. When you think about that, we are talking about an experience with a person or Holy Spirit that is living within us, that is guiding us. That's the way we have to look at it. The Holy Spirit is living within us. It lives in the temple that God has approved when we get saved and when we uh, receive Jesus Christ. It's the only way that He can come into our heart. Each of these terms, when you look at each one of them, uh, they all represent a wording or an aspect of Pentecostal experience. It is an experience, and not one turn can bring it out of all the aspects. So as I conclude with this, um, that I'm trying to summarize now what I just said because I think this is important. In fact, I know it's important for me because I, I hope it cleared up, it, this will clear it up a little bit. The signs of the gift of wind and fire from was God himself approving his church, the body, the temple that had received his son, Jesus Christ. It was him showing his approval is what it meant. And, and that's what he was showing the world. I think about all the people there. In fact, we'll read a little bit further in Acts where everybody from just about all the foreign regions, every language basically of earth was speaking, Jewish, and there were Jewish people, they were Jewish believers, but they were of different cultures and different and had different languages, was there in that temple that day. So, so when I think about that, the gift, the signs of the gift and fire was God himself. And then when I think about what we're about, I, I'm not going to get into pouring out of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues tonight. I'm going to save that for next week because I, I am, I'd like to speak to that as a separate blessing, a separate gift. A separate gift. I, it is definitely a blessing and a gift that God accepted us that accept Jesus Christ as His temple to live in. Think about it like that. That's the best way to say it. Uh, the, uh, the two signs and gifts of wind and fire have never been seen again. You know, I, I can remember a time when, um, which tells me that this person possibly believed that what was being said up there in the first couple is when God pours out His Holy Spirit, there's a wind that comes through here and start blowing flags and, and moving things and things like that. That is not the correct understanding that I believe I have today and I believe that most, and the Pentecostal believe. That wind was for, uh, at the time, to God showing just like he did Moses, just like he did many times, showing that he accepts us as a temple if we accept his son. So, because uh, that's never been seen again. That's never been seen again, according to many smarter people than me. 
and then according to the Bible. Um, so, um, and and here's why. Why has it never been seen again? I, I, now, nobody, I didn't read this nowhere, but it just came into my heart. He didn't have to approve again. He didn't need, God did not need the fire and wind to prove again. He proved us as a temple for the Holy Spirit if we would accept His Son. If we accept His Son as the Savior. If we believe in Him and trust Him and put our faith in Him. So the second gift, the one I'm about to talk a little bit about tonight but then go into next week, was the pouring out or the filling, and many words that I've talked about before, filling a person with His Holy Spirit. Next week we will continue and talk about that because let me read verse 4 again and then that's where we'll start next week. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues at the Spirit that gave them utterance. And I do believe that, uh, and y'all pray for me because I'm really doing a lot of studying and research to truly understand what it really means to speak in other tongues. Because it is something that uh, I grew up and I've seen. I've witnessed. I believe that speaking in tongues is a gift from God. I'm not going in any other direction than that, so you can go ahead and settle on that. But I want to help us understand what that means and what that gift means. And and, uh, and, uh, actually, uh, I may even open up the floor and let you ask questions next week when we get into that area because I I really think it's important for us to understand the gift because um, we all asked ourselves today, we asked ourselves today, why isn't God pouring out His Spirit into people in His temples and why isn't that gift being uh, um, more prevalent in churches where people are speaking in tongues and doing what we grew up and saw. Why isn't that happening? I, I have one answer. Us. It's us. It ain't God. What I'm going to try to do next week is... Uh, no. Oh, I just thought about it. We don't have... The following week, next week is... The, the following week is really do a lot of praying and, 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 t- uh, and let God just help me. Uh, and I may even be asking for some uh, advice. But uh, bottom line is because I want to make sure. We don't want to make it difficult. We're making it difficult. We're, we're thinking that, you know, I'm going to act foolish. I'm going to act stupid. I don't know how to do this. I don't know. You know, I don't know what all the stuff comes into all our hearts and our minds. But I know that God is not pouring His by, uh, Holy Spirit blessing in this temple as he used to, what we want to do is understand what we got to do. We want that Holy Spirit that he wants to pour into us. That strength, the feeling as we call it. We, I know this, I'm no, I, and I just said that up front. Absolutely, when you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within you. Absolutely. 100%, no doubt in my mind. Do you wouldn't make it every day. That's all I can tell you. I couldn't make it every day. But I do know this. There's a distinct difference that God's telling us that He wants to fill us fully with His Holy Spirit and He wants to give us that power that we need to go out and do His work.
It's hard to witness without that power. And that's what he wants us to do. It's hard to teach. It's hard to minister. It's hard to witness without that power. So we'll be talking about that more next week. Would you stand with me tonight? God bless you. Thank you for being here and and, uh, learning and and helping me as we learn. Uh, Go out this week and bless someone. The Pine Level Pentecostal Church Incorporated, copyright 2023. God bless.